For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know how to navigate the ever-changing marketing jungle. Today, I'm going to be joined by Allie Mason, and we're going to explore social content strategy. If you are producing content that is not producing results for you on the social platforms and you want to figure out how to actually improve your results, I think you're going to find today's interview very, very interesting. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram, at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter slash X. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow the show so you don't miss any of our future content. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Allie Mason. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Allie Mason. If you don't know who Allie is, she's a content strategist and founder of the consultancy, Something Greater Social. Her company helps small businesses and experts build loyal and profitable audiences with social content. Her membership is Something Greater School of Social. Allie, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm really good, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited you're here. Today, Allie and I are going to explore social content strategy. Now, before we get into that, I would love to hear a little bit of your backstory. How did you get into content and marketing? Start wherever you want to start. Yeah. So I was thinking about this because the funniest or maybe most the, the most ironic part of this story is that 20 years ago, I actually transferred out of a business degree. In my second year of business, I decided it wasn't for me. And I pursued a Bachelor of Arts in Anthropology. And what I was planning on doing with that, I wasn't really sure, but I knew in the moment it made me happy. A few years later, I started working after I graduated in business licensing and in consumer protection for the government of Alberta. And eventually I went back to grad school for journalism. I think there has always been a part of me that has been really driven by how to tell people's story. And I think that there's an element of storytelling that makes for good marketing. And that's where I really started using social media in a more kind of professional way, because as a journalist, we have to use social media to search for leads, to find people to interview, to support stories that we are building or creating for our offices. And so when I first started doing journalism, it was kind of a joke that I was actually better at the social media part of it than I was at the journalism part. I'm a, quite an emotional person and I wasn't really cut out for the roller coaster of emotions that come along with being a journalist operating in daily news. <laughs> so the intensity was not for me. I was in it for about two years and then I moved to the U.S., and that's when I actually started freelancing, doing social media management. I thought, you know what, there's this kind of new thing and 
not a lot of people are doing it, but people seem to need it. And maybe I can do something with that. What year was that? Just out of curiosity, when was that? Wait. That would have been in 2013. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. So keep going with the story. Yeah, my degree was almost 20 years ago now. <laughs> so it's been quite a while. And thinking back on, you know, just how much I learned, even in those first couple of years of my business degree, implementing that working for government and the public sector, and then applying those same kinds of principles doing journalism and then eventually marrying that to the way I run my social media company really kind of is what drove me toward working with people in the way that I do. Because, you know, I think telling brand stories is really cool and amazing. And there are people who are great at that. I know that for me, it's always been my thing to really tell really human stories. And so working with personal brands and experts has always kind of been the niche that I pursued even back in 2013. And the next year I got my LLC, I decided it was time to start scaling. It's time to start growing this agency. Over the next eight, nine years, I focused a lot of my energy on building that. And eventually I realized, you know, I was really good at strategy and I really liked strategy. I did not really love building or growing a team. It wasn't for me. And so after nine years, I decided to convert my agency to a consultancy. Thankfully, all of the folks who were working with me went on to do amazing things and work with really cool clients and accounts. So I'm super proud of, you know, just kind of the legacy of the people who have got their start with something greater social. And since then, you know, especially since 2020, when I really made that more concerted choice, more concerted effort toward working as a consultant and as a coach. I've worked with all kinds of different people, more than just experts and people who are kind of personal brands or small businesses, but also I've worked on political campaigns. I've worked with activists, media companies, publishers, executive producers, people who are lead actors in major well-known shows in Hollywood and even media companies. So, you know, it's been a really cool journey for me and where I am now feels kind of so much like the culmination of all of those different bits and pieces, because I can even see the way that my background in anthropology and ethnography plays such a strong role in the way that I humanize the stories that I tell with social. So when you moved to America, is that when you started the business or did you already have the business when you're in Canada? It is. Yeah. Okay. When I moved here was when I started it. And you pivoted into a consultancy, sounds like during COVID or something. I don't know exactly if- Just was... before COVID, oh. interestingly. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about the content side of things. Like how did that play into everything? Because obviously we're here to talk about content and strategy, right? So I'm just curious if content was a big part of the services that you've been providing. Oh yeah. So I mean, as a social media manager in with my agency, we are providing full service done for you, top to bottom social media management. So that meant doing an assessment of all of the content content that a client already has. So thinking of blogs, podcasts, e-courses, books, audiobooks, anything that they could possibly have that was something that could be turned into content for social, we would audit that. Then we would take that and we would essentially find a way to strategize that content to have it play out well on social. So that might mean, you know, really getting clear about which pieces of content were actually more or less valuable than others based on what their current business goals were. I think, especially with personal brands, so many of them kind of start out with this very kind of niche idea and then they either expand and then contract again and as they evolve or they kind of continue to add on and grow. And as they do, a lot of the older kinds of 
pieces that they would have created no longer are as relevant. So I think one of the other things that was really important in the work that we did was this really kind of honest and unbiased audit of how does the content that you're creating or that you've created in the past really play into the goals that you have in your business and how you plan to achieve those on social. So from there, we would create all the content. So that means my team had designers, my team had copywriters, my team had people who were doing, you know, hashtag research, community management, really like anything that you could imagine that needed to happen on social was happening within the team itself. And very little was required of the clients except for kind of review and approvals. So, and providing us with the content, of course, but. (laughs) So tell me about the membership, Something Greater School of Social. What is that exactly? And who's that for? So I'm really excited. Something Greater School of Social is kind of my, I don't know, little love child. I feel like there has been, there's a, a limit to how much I can help or how how many people I can help just purely based on a budgetary and personal time kind of factor. And so one of the values that's always been really important to me as an entrepreneur and the background that I have, because I also come from a family that we didn't have a lot, a single parent family, and I really hustled as a kid. And one of the things that I want so badly for people, and one of the reasons why I use social to teach is also so that I can create a level of access for folks who don't necessarily have the finances or they're not quite yet in the place to be able to afford the private one-on-one or more long-term services that I offer. So the membership is for really anybody who is using social media to grow their business online. I think it's going to benefit people most who have a product or a service that they're offering. So either they are course creators, they have a book they're trying to get published or sold, or they are a service provider that is, you know, trained and skilled in something. A lot of the work that I do really supports those types of creators. And it's broken down into kind of these six modules that are evergreen. And then we have weekly Q&A sessions and co-working sessions and people get Slack access so that they can ask questions in between. And it's really meant to be kind of this, I mean, I call it the school of social because I want it to feel like a campus. You know, I want people to be able to feel that same sense of, you know, I hope most people listening have somewhat of like a fond memory of maybe college or university or some time in their life where they felt this deep sense of community and shared vision for people who are going out to really absorb and learn and become better and think more critically and challenge themselves. So I think the other part of maybe who this membership is for is also for people who are not looking to have someone tell them exactly what to do but instead who are willing to do the real work to figure out what works best for them and their business and their unique goals and what they're really trying to achieve and how those can be conveyed in different ways on social. And I think that that's really what's been missing from a lot of the conversations is the nuance that is required to create a really strong custom strategy I don't see a lot of people having those conversations on social media. Excellent, excellent backstory. Content strategy. Let's talk about why that is so important. Everybody who's probably listening to this podcast is producing content 
whether they're strategic or not, that's perhaps a different question. <laughs> so why why is content strategy so critical, specifically on the social platforms? I mean, I think most people are not posting just to post. And if they are, they think that they're posting to get a result, right? The goal that almost all of us have when we log on and we create something and we hit that post button is that us followers, we want it to get some engagement. We want it to convert to our website or we want to like drive conversation, right? We want DMs or comments. So if you're just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall and you're not really coming into it with a real cause and effect or more scientific approach to how you're creating, testing, and then adjusting your content, then you're really missing out on actually everything that's possible to learn from the entire process in addition to really growing much faster and reaching your goals in your business, not just on social media, because I think those are two really distinct differences that we need to really talk about and lay out is there are social media goals, right? We have goals of follower count. We have goals of, you know, engagement rates. We have goals for website conversions. We have all of these social first metrics. But at the end of the day, most people who have a business are using social not just to drive awareness, They're using it to improve their bottom line. They're using it to expand their reach. They're using it to increase their profits. They're using it to create return customers. They're using it to find out about what their audience or their clients really want. And if you're not creating content with those intentions in mind, then you're missing out on so much valuable information, not just market research, but also the ability to really convert an audience and maintain them for years. It's really rare for me to talk about my own personal account and how it relates to the work that I do, because I think as a marketer talking about marketing and using our account as an example, there's a bit of a, I don't know the word for it, but like, essentially, I think that it makes sense that we're going to get a certain result from people because we're talking about creating success on the platform that we're teaching people about, right? So like if I'm an Instagram coach and I'm saying I increased my followers by this many or I increased my sales by this many, but I'm selling Instagram, I'm selling social media, that's not the same as somebody who's logging on and selling therapy or selling, I don't know, hand cream or selling like fill in the blank, right? Like there's going to be a different process there. But one of the really incredible things that I have seen in my business and the reason why I feel so strongly about the methods that I've used and developed over the years is that I think this year was probably the least I've ever posted in my entire like social media existence, right? It's the least I've ever posted. And despite that fact, I still have had regular clients. Q4 was fully booked out for me. And that's because I built such a strong community for years that now it's like the lifting is is lighter, right? I can check in a few times a month sometimes and still get the same results for my business. So my followers maybe aren't growing as fast because I'm not posting twice a day every day. But 
at the end of the day, I'm making what I need to make to be satisfied in my business and have the space and time to create this whole other program, this membership, right? Super stoked to get into your strategy here about how to build a really loyal and profitable audience with content. First of all, let's just start with the first step. You know, we're going to go through a whole bunch of different steps here, but let's start with the first step of your strategy. What is it exactly? And just give us a little bit of uh, also why the, what we're about to work about conceptually even works. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is just really important to name, even before we get into this content strategy stuff, is that there is not a one size fits all approach to strategy, right? A lot of this work and one of the reasons why this type of strategy is maybe what some people would call like unsexy, right? It's not like the intense growth marketing that you're going to get from some of the other accounts, right? This is slow, steady, sustainable growth is because this actually is more like a science project than it is like, you know, a plug and play approach that's just copy and paste that you can transfer to any account. It's really custom. It's really based on you and your specific goals. It takes into account who you are and what you're actually comfortable with and, you know, how your personality shines through your brand. And, you know, you really have to start with where you've come from. So before you even begin to create a strategy, you really need to audit what you're already doing and figure out what's working and what's not. And I think about that not just in terms of the content that you're creating, although that is a part of it, right? So looking at your posts, your carousels, your memes, if you you know share memes, your reels, but also looking at your profile and really being honest. If you stumbled upon your own profile and you were a stranger, would it motivate you to hit follow? Would it motivate you to look more into what you do? Is all of it kind of filled out? And is there enough information for somebody to really kind of take themselves on a customer journey to be able to help them understand how you are going to support their needs? Because at the end of the day, when you're showing up on social, oftentimes, if you are a personal brand, an educator, an expert, someone is coming to you because they've identified that you might be able to solve a problem for them. And if your profile doesn't convey that information well, they're going to move on. And it's a split second decision. And so your content, especially those posts, your pinned posts, your highlights, your bio, whether or not there were keywords in your main name section, so underneath where your photo would be on Instagram, all of those things are so important for helping your profile become more discoverable and also for conveying the message that you want to convey to your audience about whether you are the right person for them. Because the other side of the conversation is like, you don't want to attract the people who aren't the right people for you, right? There really is a group of people, not because they're like bad people, but like, they're just not your people. Yeah, I love that. And then uh, what about the kinds of content that we produce? Should we audit that as well? Because I think we discussed something about content pillars when we were prepping. A hundred percent. Yeah. So in terms of actually auditing your content, I mean, a lot of that depends account to account, but especially if you're first starting out and you don't have a lot of data on what your people like. My go-to is always to post a wide variety of content across surfaces. So that means you're posting stories, you're posting reels, you're posting carousels, static images, and also going live, right? And I think 
live and stories are probably two things that people underutilize, especially in a social strategy, because going live and talking, monologuing on your phone to your Instagram audience on your story doesn't come naturally to a lot of us. And I also just want to name that like, I did journalism, right? Like that's my background. And even I felt uncomfortable when stories launched on Instagram. I felt uncomfortable talking to my camera. I felt uncomfortable watching myself, hearing myself talk. It takes time to really get into that. But you really want to look at the certain types of content, those different surfaces, and look at, okay, maybe your content is getting a lot of reach, but what else is it doing besides reaching people, right? Because I think we've become kind of reach obsessed as a culture right now, especially in like the social media landscape. But I really want to know, okay, if we're reaching a lot of people, well, what is the proportion of people who are actually visiting your profile from that reach? What's the profile visit rate based on the reach that you had? And if it's not very high, then chances are the posts aren't actually performing the way that we think they are, which is to say they're probably going to the wrong people. So how do we correct that, right? So it's really looking at it. And I'm saying it's a literal science project. You are getting so deep into the data and looking at how is this working? And if it isn't working, how can I change it? If it is working, how can I take what I've learned from those things that work and apply it across some of those other types of content that I make to see if maybe it's going to improve their performance as well? So the first step of your process is really to do an audit on everything you've done across platforms too, right? This isn't just Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter slash X, Facebook, whatever social platforms you happen to be using. What's the next step after we've done this audit and we've kind of identified, you know, like we've got all these things that we are not doing things that we are doing and our profile is obviously need a little bit of optimization. Uh, what, what comes next? Yeah. So I think that the next step is market research. And when people think market research, they're thinking like, you know, focus groups and things like that, but you really don't need to have, anything that formal in order to get information from your audience. Your insights are one of your best pieces of feedback. I think when Instagram or Adam Masseri says something, they come on and they post a video that says, you know, we've gotten a lot of messages from you that you don't like insert the thing, right? I remember a couple of years ago, they were like, you've all told us that you don't like seeing feed posts in your story. So we're going to make it so that you can't post feed posts in your story anymore and everybody lost it. What they were actually saying was we have data that says when people see a feed post in their story, they exit stories or they exit the app. And that's the last thing Instagram wants, right? So if they're using data in that way to figure out how their users are behaving based on different, you know, content styles, different content types, then we should also be using the data that they give us to do the same thing. So we can go in and we can look, okay, to see my clients tend to really, or my audience tends to really be into a certain theme. So I would recommend people really, if you don't already have one set up, set up a spreadsheet or some other kind of, if you're you know a paper and pencil kind of person, you can use, make it analog. It doesn't really matter, but really start taking notes about, common themes, common design elements. So for me in particular, one of the things that I notice across platforms is that 
stories that are just photos with a lot of text on them tend to perform better for myself and for my clients than videos. Now, why is that? My suspicion is because people have to press and hold on the screen to be able to read a long block of text. That sends a positive signal to Instagram that that content is valuable because people are spending more than 15 seconds on it. Also, people are going to probably tap back on it if they don't know how to press and hold the screen so that they can read the whole thing. That also sends positive signals to the algorithm. So looking for those same kinds of themes, it's not always a content theme. Like for me, it wouldn't necessarily always be social media strategy or content pillars, but it could be something even design related, or it might be you know, in your hashtags, you might notice that, okay, well, this same hashtag has performed Uh, you know, the content performs really well when I use this same either set of hashtags or this one particular hashtag. So getting into the weeds with all of that and kind of clearing it out so that you can really see what is the driving force of why this content performed well and how can I connect all of the dots so that I can optimize my content further in the future. So for people that are not super technical and maybe don't ever go into their insights and Instagram, for example, because I know that's the platform we're really focusing on, what should they be looking for? How do they find kind of the needle in the haystack on what works and what doesn't? That's a great question. I mean, first and foremost, insights are available as long as I think you have a hundred or more followers, right? So, or maybe it's like 500 followers. I can't remember the exact number right now, but If you have under a certain number, you may not even have access to certain insights. So things will be limited, right? If you are in the thousand plus range, you should have a full set of insights available for you. I tend to look at things at least on a 30 day range. So unless you're like a frequent poster, I don't tend to look at a seven day or a 14 day rolling period. I usually recommend 30 or 90. And in that I'm looking at which pieces of content drove the most followers, which drove the most interactions, which drove the most shares, saves, and website clicks. And for me, those are kind of like the five holy grail elements in terms of what you want to be looking for for top performance. Now, what I would recommend doing is actually just taking screenshots of all of those things, right? So that you have them. And then afterward, going through and looking, because oftentimes when I'm switching between those metrics, I'm seeing a lot of similarities between the top performing posts. So what are the similarities between those things? Is it a topic? Is it a specific type of design? Is it a meme or is it, you know, an educational carousel? Was it something that was maybe newsworthy? One of the things that's really interesting that I've noticed is when people share really innovative kind of, if there's been, you know, an Instagram update or some other social media update and they share a really unexpected opinion about it. People tend to gravitate more to that type of content than they do to just your regular, you know, here's the news, now you know. And, you know, I think the reason why is because people want to know ultimately on a deeper level why things work or won't work, whether or not they should spend their time on something. I feel like there's so many features that have just been rolling out so quickly across threads, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, like everyone is rolling out updates probably on like a weekly or at least or maybe monthly basis. So knowing which ones actually hold power for you in your business 
which ones are worth putting the effort into learning or trying or implementing is really, really important. So those innovative pieces I've found have been uh, also very, very successful. So that's, you know, another trend that you can kind of look for, but it's really kind of, you're going in there and you're looking for patterns. What are the patterns that I see based on design, based on format, based on topic, and how how do I want to use those to my advantage? Cool. So we know that we're kind of approaching this strategy as a science project. And we've talked about how the first thing is to basically audit. What have we done? You know, what have we got? At a conceptual level, are we doing the very basic things and then doing more social research based on our actual stuff that we're doing? And of course, any platform data that they provide us, for example, Facebook does a great job every quarter providing most popular content. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but you can go through there and they show the most popular content and you can kind of look and see what is it about all this content that makes it so popular, you know, and you, you can get insights and then you can start experimenting with that. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. The part that I'm really excited about is this next step, right? Because once we've got kind of a lot of this data, we got to figure out how to connect this ultimately to building community and trust and all that fun stuff, right? So talk to us a little bit about that. This is where I find actually people get really stuck because once you have all of this data and you know, okay, well, these things work and those things don't, but now I have to actually show up and sell my thing, right? I have to sell my service or sell my program or sell my product. And that's where people get really uncomfortable because oftentimes they think that selling is like, you know, I don't know. I already told you I was in my bachelor's 20 years ago, so I've already dated myself, but like people think like an infomercial, right? Like they think the slap chop guy or like, <laughs> you know, the sham wow guy, like you don't need to do this like really strong, direct selling. It doesn't need to feel like you're a door to door salesperson trying to like, you know, hustle. I don't know, whatever the thing is these days, it used to be like knives. I feel like <laughs> right. Right. the fact that people used to go door to door with knives. I can't believe that that was a thing. <laughs> That does seem a little odd now that you state that. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. yeah, not today. But the thing that's actually really interesting and what's different about the methods that I use and what I've grown to kind of adopt across the board with my clients is that selling is actually much more about building relationships and especially on social I like to use what I call the social selling staircase. So this is kind of a thing that I've coined in, in as a term, but I'm sure it exists in other, you know, marketing materials and, and textbooks. And probably there's somebody else who maybe even has something very similar that calls it something different, but it's really thinking about it as imagining a staircase, right? So I'm thinking just like your standard, nothing fancy, just a, a couple steps, three steps. The foundation of it is the content that you know works. So that's all of the data that you've collected so far. It's how you take the business you run, the content pillars that you've derived from your expertise or from the product you created or from what you do and what you sell, and creating content that really conveys the value of 
whatever that thing is. So it's all built on the foundation of this like valuable content, right? And I think it's so important to explain what valuable content is because it's a phrase that's been thrown around on the internet quite a bit lately, especially in the last couple of years. But that's my definition. Now, the first step of the social selling staircase is actually building relationships, right? So before you can get to a sale, regardless of whether, you know, you've got a a product that's $1.99 or you've got a product that's $1,000 or more, you have to build a relationship with a person first in one way, shape or form or another before they'll be able to get to the point where they're willing to give you their money. And so building relationships really kind of actually takes the awkwardness out of the sale because what you do is you think about it like real life. You know, one of the things for me that I think is maybe a, a big pet peeve of mine is that I hear people say like social media isn't real, right? I hear that a lot. And while I agree in certain ways that like social media is a performance and oftentimes for certain people, they have entire characters that are, they create so that they can build a brand around the character. And at the end of the day, there's always a person on the other end, right? It's me, it's you, it's somebody else. Whether you have 10 followers or 10,000 followers, those are 10 real people. Those are 10,000 real people. And when I like to talk about how you start building relationships, it's like, it shouldn't be any different than how we do it in real life. I often use this analogy of either like the donut shop or the, or the coffee shop, right? So imagine just for a second that you are an owner of a brick and mortar place, right? You're a coffee shop owner, you're a donut shop owner, whatever your shop of choice is. Maybe you sell tacos. And people come in as they pass, right? So you happen to be in a really high traffic part of town where, you know, you get a lot of foot traffic off the street. So that means you see a lot of new faces every day. But in that same area, you tend to also see a lot of the same people coming in over time. And, you know, those people who come in and they're the first time you've ever seen them, you're still going to be friendly to them, right? You're, hey, how are you? How can I help you today? What are you looking for? okay, like, you know, let me tell you a little bit more about our menu or let me tell you a little bit more about our process. Maybe that'll help you decide. We're generous with how we talk about the thing that we are selling because we know that's going to help build trust and we know that's going to build the relationship and that's going to give us a better chance of, you know, ultimately achieving our goal, which is making the sale. So when someone comes to our social media and the first thing we do is we try to push our product on them, or we go and we cold DM them, or we comment on someone else's comment section who does something similar to what we do. And we say, hey, you should really come check out what I do because it's so much better than what that what this person's doing. Like you would never take a dozen donuts over to your competitor's donut shop and stand in line and like tell other people to buy your donuts instead, right? Like nobody would do that in real life. It sounds a little crazy. I mean, I'm sure someone has done it, but I would never do it. <laughs> I would never do it. <laughs> So, you know, I think that being on social, I I really encourage people to apply the same principles that they would apply in their real life to how they show up and create relationships on social media. And that is the first step, because if you don't have people to build relationships with, then you can't do the next step, which is building trust. How do you actually build relationships with people? I mean, like, 
That sounds non-scalable. I mean, talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, it depends, right? So not everybody in your audience is going to comment on every post. They're not all going to DM you every day. They're not all replying to all of your stories, right? But especially when you are a smaller outfit, and I think, you know, as people grow in terms of how much of an audience they have, this can sometimes get a little out of hand, right? So you have to kind of find ways to maneuver and keep it under control where there is some interaction, but you don't get, you know, totally bogged down by it. Obviously, it's not like the thing that you should be spending all of your time on. But I think especially if you are finding yourself in a position where the people who are following you aren't converting, the people who maybe you want to follow you aren't there yet. And you are just kind of sitting there, sitting on your hands thinking like, what am I doing wrong? Well, you're spending all of this extra time trying to fill that gap with other stuff when the reality is if maybe you took 10 or 20 or 30 minutes a day for even just, a sh- you know, six months, the amount of relationships and trust that you would build in that process would be so much greater than whatever you're trying to like automate or compensate with. And sure, yeah, at a certain point, you kind of reach your upper limit and something needs to change. But I think that if you are in a position where what you're doing isn't working, this is the foundation that makes it sustainable. Perfect. So step one is to build those relationships. What's step two in your staircase? Step two is building the trust, right? So one of the things with building trust is that it takes time. And you know, building a business that runs on social or that is supported by social is not necessarily going to happen overnight, right? It's the exception, not the rule that somebody goes from zero to 100K in a short period of time. And, you know, they end up making multi five figure months and they scale beyond what most people think is possible because for most people, it's not possible, right? That's the exception, not the rule. For the rest of us, building trust takes time. And that comes from being generous with your expertise, right? So if somebody's in my DMs and they ask me a question, you know, sometimes we get to make the choice of how we decide we're going to respond to that. If somebody comes into my DMs and they ask me a specific question, sometimes I'll say, you know what, this is actually really like unique to you. And This kind of thing is something that I I actually charge people for. So I don't feel comfortable really answering this question. But here are some general guidelines based on what you're curious about or, you know, the issue that you're having. Here's kind of what I would say to just like the average person. And then I can also take that and use that as part of my market research, right? If this one person is asking me this one thing, That already tells me, okay, based on that person, and again, I have about 11,500 followers right now on my personal account. I know a lot of the people who are my regulars, right? I have regulars. They've been around some of them for months, some of them for years. And depending on where they've kind of come in and if I recognize them or how well I recognize them, I may give them even a little bit more, right? Because I know that at some point they're going to get to that place where it's no longer just consuming the content that Ali creates for free. It's okay, I'm ready to become a membership at the School of Social or I'm ready to book a one on one session. So, building that trust by sharing our expertise generously, building trust by always responding to comments. Like, 
you would not believe the number of times that I have gone through people's comments who I know don't get like, uh, it's not like they have like thousands of comments in their comment section, right? It's like 20 to 50 per post. And they're just hearting the comments, but they're not actually replying to them. Or when they respond back, it's something really generic, right? So I don't know if they're like automating their comment responses and they're using some sort of like, you know, AI automation to respond on their behalf or if they're just copying and pasting. But like the more you can kind of humanize the way that you're interacting with people on social, the more they feel seen by you, the more trust you can build. So I've found really like showing up on stories and like sharing beyond just my professional stuff, right? So I like to tell this story. I have one client from a couple of years ago who really is one of the exceptions to the rule. Absolutely blew up, just recently hit a million followers on Instagram, was like featured by TikTok for their TikTok Sparks Good campaign, really just took off in a way that is so unbelievably incredible. And at the time, their most successful story, their story that got the most views and the most interactions ever was a story asking people to guess what type of cake he was making for his son for his birthday. And so this is, again, just another example, like thinking of that cafe. If I'm coming into this cafe multiple times a week, right? Think of how many times you post. That's essentially like somebody coming to your cafe. If they're engaging with your content every time you post, they're coming to your cafe that many times per week, right? And so eventually you get to a point with those people where you start sharing, hey, yeah, like, oh my gosh, I have a dog too, you know, like, oh my gosh, show me the pictures. Oh, a doodle. I love doodles. You know, you're going and talking about their kids, their upcoming vacation, where they went to school. You really start learning more about the person who's running the brand. And that also builds trust and deepens the relationship. And so once we get to that point, then we also need to remember, it's not just the person to person interaction that builds the trust and fortifies the relationship. But part of what, especially with experts, service providers, people who are course creators, people who are authors, what's so important to convey in the content that you create is the third step of the social selling staircase, which is building your own authority or expressing your own authority, right? So I can be really popular, <laughs> right? I can have a lot of friends. <laughs> I can have tons of people who like think I'm great on social. But if I don't do a good job of conveying why I am cut out for the job that I want them to hire me for, then we're never going to get to that final, you know, sale conversion point. And so showing up and conveying your authority comes in a variety of different ways. For me, I think of like social proof as being one of the biggest ways that we can convey our authority in a space. That means I have clients who I can talk about who when they came to me, they weren't growing. They were getting no sales from their courses. Now they just hit a million and they just leased their first warehouse. Like those are kind of these transformational stories. And again, that's an exception. But I have hundreds of other little stories from other clients who have way less followers than that who are still having a ton of success on social. People with under 5,000 followers who are making six figures a year, you know, and they're doing this by creating this 
social selling staircase that takes into account all of these different elements that positions their authority in a way that not only fortifies the trust in the relationships that they've already been investing in, but also positions them in such a way that when someone is ready to get help doing whatever they do, they're the first person that they think about because they're the expert. They're their go-to person. The number of times I've had people say, you know, I used to work in social. You're still the only person who I follow from that field because of the way that you talk about social media and things like that. That's how I know that I'm conveying my authority in a really clear and specific way. Allie, this has been super insightful. If people want to connect with you on the socials, I'm guessing Instagram is your platform of choice. And if it's not, tell us which other one is your, is the preferred platform. And then if people want to check out your business, where do you want to send them? Yeah. So I'm usually on Instagram and threads the most. I love threads now. I'm a convert. So you can find me that Allie Mason on any platform. I'm just most active on those. I do occasionally post on the other ones. If you want to find out more about my business or my membership, you can go to somethinggreatersocial.com. Allie Mason, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your strategy with us today. Thank you for having me, Mike. I really appreciate it. It's been a blast. Hey, if you missed anything, I took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 598. If you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram, at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter slash X. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may your marketing keep evolving. Catch you next time. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.